Welcome to episode 16 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of the What When Wine Diet, Paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jinstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. 
I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode 16 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I am here with a birthday girl, well, birthday girl as of yesterday, Jen Stevens. Happy late birthday. Thank you. Thank you. 48. That just sounds so old. I remember thinking like 40 was old, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll be 50 in a couple of years. It's not that old, and you're young in spirit. Uh, well, there you go. And intermittent fasting is anti-aging. So. That's right. So I'm actually going in reverse. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Of course. Did you do anything fun for your birthday? Well, we just got back from this cruise, so basically we did not do very much fun. Um, we I cooked dinner. My son was working in his baseball mascot job, so <laughs> my husband and I just had a quiet dinner at home, drank some wine. I cooked. That was it. Well, it sounds wonderful. And then how was your trip? Speaking oh, it of. was it was it was great. Too short, too short. It was a, a very good trip. I'll talk about it somewhat. We have a question coming up about travel. But it was a really nice trip. It's it's hot in the Caribbean this time of year, but um the day that we were in Mexico, we were on the beach and it was a little bit overcast, like the sun was going in and out, so it wasn't too hot. We just had a really, really nice time. The sea was calm. The food was good. We enjoyed it. What was your favorite part of the trip? Gosh, I don't know. I just love being on a ship. I love the movement of the ship. I like looking at the ocean. We had a great aft balcony, so I liked to go out there and just look over the back of the ship and the waves and where we've been. That's one of my favorite parts of any trip on the ocean. (laughs) So what's been new with you? Anything? Um, just chip it. All right. I turned in my manuscript for the book. So that's, that's a nice load off my shoulder. Oh yeah. Um, and now I'm working on the, the recipes for it. I have a celebrity chef who made them, but I'm basically like editing them and adding my own intros and creating the wine pairings. So lots to do, <laughs> but Absolutely. it's fun. That, that's, that sounds so exciting though. Lots of fun. It's fun stuff. Not as fun as a cruise. I can't wait to see the wine pairings, though. Oh, I know. I'm excited. <laughs> I also realized on the cruise, I don't really like all those fruity drinks anymore. Like, I had a few of them, you know, here and there. But I drank a lot of champagne. <laughs> I was going to ask what you what your I, alcohol of choice was. Prosecco? I did. You know, when I first – well, yeah. Actually, I was drinking Chandon. They had that by the glass oh, at every – Moet. Is it Moet? Do you say – is it Moet or Moet? I don't know, but that's the one, Chandon. But I, they had that by the glass at every bar. So we had the alcohol package. So, you know, the fruity drinks, like I said, got really old. You know, the first day I started with one, and then I was like, just too sweet, too fruity. And so I just started drinking started drinking champagne, and then I had red wine with dinner every night. So the, the, so. with the alcohol package, did they have um, wine at all the bars as well? Yes, yes. You have – it includes wine and beer and liquor and all of that, but – 
you know, I'm just not going to drink all that sweet stuff all the time. It just, it got old. So I think there was a time when I would have just been having, you know, like the, the daiquiris and the frozen drinks. But really after one, I had like one pina colada and I was like, that's all I need <laughs> for the whole trip. I did You're not get another one. to go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one more question about the wine. So it just because my inner wine nerdness is coming out. So was it like nice wines that they had or was it like? cheap wines or do they have like a selection i just need to know for when i if i ever go on a cruise you know it's really a good selection of wines um like i drank a a murphy good merlot every night with dinner um so it's it's it there's a a variety of choices depending on where you are on the ship it's really fun now i'm gonna tell you the food i'm not a big buffet fan so the problem is you know i would open my window at noon every day on the cruise but I didn't want to start eating like just a giant meal. So I wanted to have like a little a little bit here and there from the salad bar or whatever, the fresh food. But then one day I wanted to eat something because our dinner time was 8.15. So we are, that was our assigned dinner time. So it was about, I don't know, maybe 4 o'clock one day. And I felt like I needed, because I'd been having something to drink. So I felt like I needed a little food because it was still about four hours till dinner. And there was like literally nothing healthy to eat, like not a vegetable to be found. Like, the only choices were, like, pizza, and um, there were, like, 40 people in line trying to get pizza, and then also, like, burgers and fries. That was it. So, I had some fries, and they made my stomach hurt. So, that's the only the only drawback was it was hard to get high-quality food at certain times. Now, in the dining room, they had really great foods. I ate a lot of, um, like, most nights, I had a vegetarian dinner. Okay. I found that that really helped. You know, not since I was eating in a longer window, about a 10 hour window every day, I didn't want to eat too heavy. Right. So, Helps you fill up like quantity. You could still eat a lot. Exactly. And, and I just, I felt better, you know, not yeah. eating quite. I didn't order like the steak or whatever. I had, you know, the, the lighter meals and I, I enjoyed that better. So what window did you do? You did 12? Well, I just, whenever I opened my, yeah, I just, I opened my window at any point after noon and then after dinner, I was like finished. <laughs> I was like, full. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I might've had like one more drink after dinner, but that was, that was it. Um, you know, by the time we got done with dinner, it was almost 10 o'clock because it takes a while, you know, the dining room takes a while. So it's just, it's just a matter of planning around you know when there's going to be food available if you're going to be eating um one day we did go to the sea day brunch and so i ate at about 11 30 because the brunch you know is only available at a certain time because i wanted to get that that breakfast food i had steak and eggs that day but it was like a tiny little piece of steak um well we actually do have a question related to that but before we jump into that um so we've been receiving lots of listener questions and emails and we actually received a really nice email today it's not a question it's just a little testimonial or or a little report back of sorts. Um, So we thought we'd read on the podcast just to give you guys an idea of some of the responses that people have been having. So would you like to read that, Jen? Sure, I would love to. And this is from Julie. And the subject line says, I think I can do this for life, which I love, because that's the way I feel too. And I know you do as well. Me too. (laughs) So Julie says, in May, I was sent to the gastroenterologist for liver function test, parentheses, enzyme, elevations. The gastroenterologist commented, look up intermittent fasting for weight loss as fatty liver is one concern. So I went home and began researching IF. I needed to know how long to fast for and lean gains told me 16-8, which I immediately began. 
Because of the recent explosion of information out there, I began looking for more. That is when I found your podcast and learned, because of the way the two of you present IF, how to make this a lifestyle. I have now listened to other podcasts and YouTube presentations, and as a physician, I have medical training and a clear understanding of the medical aspects of IF, since I have been undertaking my own personal research into the subject. However, the two of you have done the best job in teaching me how to live as an intermittent faster. I will keep listening and sharing your podcast with the many people I know who need your advice. Thank you. Incidentally, my gastroenterologist, primary care physician, and cardiologist have all incorporated IF into their lifestyles. I have progressed to a four to five hour window of eating interspersed with 42 hour fasts and one 84 hour fast. Yes. So I just loved getting that email from Julie. It's amazing. And first I I emailed her back and I really want to go to her her gastroenterologist and her physician. I know. And I love that. I mean, she's a physician and her three doctors are all doing intermittent fasting, which I think speaks volumes. You know, these are not just, you know, random people off the street who are like, I think I'll draw this. No, these are people who are trained in, you know, they're physicians and they, they see the benefits and they're doing it themselves and they're recommending it to their patients, which I think is important. Yeah. I just think that's fantastic. And it's really motivating um, just to see that, that shift happening and that change and that appreciation. So, yep. So um, for any of our listeners, so you don't have to um, just email us with questions. If you have any experiences or anything like Julie said, we'd love to hear them and we can read them on the podcast as well. And speaking of, I'm just gonna throw this out there. So the podcast has been doing really well and we've realized we're actually ranking now on iTunes for the the fitness and nutrition category. Yay! So we, it's really exciting. We seem to be um, <laughs> maintaining around like in the 30s to 50s uh, for top 100 podcast or top 200 podcasts, I think. That's exciting. So yeah, just the little things. So thank you everybody for your support. And we just, we're having a blast doing this. We really are. We really are. <laughs> so I guess we will actually jump into our listener questions now. And like I said, the first one does relate to the whole travel topic. So I'll go ahead and read it. And it comes from Ashley. And the subject is vacation rehab. And Ashley says, I heard your IF podcast about travel. I agree. Indulge if it's only four days a year. My problem is getting back to reality. Margarita for breakfast one day, then nothing for breakfast or lunch the next. For me mentally, being in, quote, vacation mode takes two days before I sleep later and not obsess about diet, i.e. generally just not stressing. Zero days to return to reality never happens. Help. So what do we have to say about Ashley? And this is perfect timing. I pulled this question um, because this might be what you're going through right now, Jen, or not. Or <laughs> you probably have thoughts on well, it. Well, it's it's interesting, definitely. I um I paid more attention this year. You know, last year I went on two cruises and came back, and I didn't really pay as much attention, but I felt like I'd be talking about it on the podcast. So I wanted to really be, you know, what what's my body feeling? So we got off the ship on Friday. Um, actually, let me start at the beginning. We drove down to Florida on Sunday. And so I just fasted right until dinner. I didn't eat on the way. I, we did stop at a restaurant on the way, and my husband and my son ate. But I didn't. So they promised me I could pick where we ate for oh, dinner. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> then they gave me a hard time, which made me a little mad because I'm like, I, wanna, I don't want to eat there. I want to eat there. And my husband's like, blah, blah, blah. But eventually I got What'd my way. Because I was like, you, you promised – um, 
It's just a little local place that had a, a wide variety of, of different Stuff, things. Nice. <laughs> yeah, lots of different things. He wanted to go to this place that was completely seafood. And I like seafood, but they mainly just had fish. And I like certain shellfishes, whatever. I didn't want to eat th- this, like, fish, fish place. Anyway, so I got what I wanted for, for the dinner. But uh, they promised me I could. So anyway, <laughs> we got on the ship on Monday and, and I already explained how I ate there. Then when I got off the ship Friday, I didn't eat. In fact, none of us. We didn't we didn't eat breakfast. We just got in the car and started driving. It was a long, long drive. And um, I really didn't want to eat that day. I wasn't hungry um, at all. You know, we did, we did eat dinner when we got home. But I, I didn't eat very much. I didn't want very much. So then Saturday when I woke up, um, I was a little more tired than, than usual, you know, and on a normal intermittent fasting day, I wake up and I'm fine. I have great energy. I start to feel the the feeling of ketosis, get the taste in my mouth, have the high energy. For for about two days, Saturday and Sunday, I noticed I had like a little afternoon slump. So then today is is the third day. Well, let's see, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. The today's the fourth day I've been off the ship and I'm completely a hundred percent back to normal. Awesome. So I had ketosis at the normal time. I had the the feeling, my body, you know, I just, I felt back to normal. So it took me one day of not wanting to eat at all, really, and then two days of feeling that transition a little bit, feeling like my body wanted to eat a little bit more, but I wasn't quite feeling like I was fully in the fasted state. So when Ashley says zero days to return to reality, I get what she means. My body didn't just bounce back and like one day I was on the ship and then the next day it was like perfectly back to normal. I did have to push through. And she actually said it takes her two days um, to get out of that vacation mode. And that's really kind of like the way my body felt. You know, it took a couple of days. The good news is that my clothes all still fit at the end of the cruise. So the the, the two meals, the 10-hour the or so window worked well for that. Like I was still able to like button my shorts <laughs> on the way home. <laughs> you know, because you worry about that. Um, but I feel 100% back to normal today. It wasn't just a zero day. But I did get right back on the plan. You know, I pushed through because um, I didn't want that feeling of eating all the time anymore yeah so zero days doesn't really happen for me either I mean it's been it's been a a long time since I went like super crazy and felt like I needed to recover um but I have had times definitely where I've you know eaten more or did just feel that I needed some sort of like quote recovery and for me personally I find that if I can just like suck it up that that first next day. So like one day, if I can just suck it up and power through, even if I think, oh, I'm never going to get back to normal, you do. Like you really do. Like she said it takes her two days, which – and she's asking for help, but I, I personally, I don't see anything wrong with it taking two days. Um, I mean, I know you want it to be like instant back to normal, but I mean, what's – I mean, two days is two days, and then if you're back to normal, like <laughs> I think it's all good. And and it really is. I Like I said, I paid attention and – I really did need like a little nap for um those two days that my body was kind of transitioning back to to the fasting. I was like kind of lounging around. I was like, I'm going to sleep now a little bit. <laughs> and I never, never feel like I need an afternoon nap. So that was that was different. In any case, I think just the awesome thing about intermittent fasting is relative to all the other diets and diet lifestyle practices, it is relatively very quick for 
how quickly you can get back to feeling like your old self. Because once you plug back into that fasted state, and like you said, that that feeling of ketosis is just like, it's like just the way it was before. <laughs> yeah. And I will say I have learned this now a couple of times. Two days seems to be my limit. Like day, I could do one day of having a couple of meals and then I'm perfectly fine. But the second day I do it, that was when I kind of was like, ugh, you know, when I was like not feeling very well the second day that I ate two meals in the, in the day. And that was when I started eating lighter after the second mm-hmm. day because I was like, my body just doesn't like it. I remember the same thing last year when we started back to school and we get to go out to lunch, the teachers do. And so I was like, I'm just going to eat lunch. You know, I'm at my goal. I can have two meals. I can have an eight hour window if I want. Well, I did that for two days. And then the next day, my I was puffy, and I'm like, nope, <laughs> not again. <laughs> I just I just don't want to. I didn't want to do it. I was I had given myself permission to eat lunch those days, you know, because I was still feeling my way around maintenance. But it was like a light bulb went off, and I realized I didn't want to. I mean, yes, I could, but I mean, it wouldn't ruin my life. But I didn't want to to do it. And that was when it was like the huge mind shift. I could eat, but I don't want to. I think that's awesome. It's so refreshing. Yeah. It is, and it just felt like um, that's when you know it's a lifestyle. When you're ready to get back to it, you're happy to get back to it, and you really don't feel as well when you're off of it. I think that's one of the things I love the best is that I look forward to it rather than dreading going back to it, like you said. All right, are we ready for the next question? This is from Nathan, and the subject is movement. And listeners, that may not be what you think. I know. I love the subject. (laughs) It is not. Okay, so Nathan says – Hello, I have been following an IF one meal a day lifestyle for three months after being told by my family doctor and nutritionist that I had pre-diabetic symptoms and needed to eat a small meal every three hours and continue my cardio regimen to be able to lose weight. I tried that and gained 28 pounds over four months. I was a little unsure about starting IF because of the feeling of low sugar when I didn't eat, but a good friend had been telling me about IF for several years, so I decided to try it. I felt like I was healthy and knew I was careful about what I ate already, so it seemed a logical step for me. I used the eating window from 5 to 9 p.m., fast clean, and it has turned out to be the right choice for me as I've lost most of the weight gained and have tons and tons of energy as well as most other well-documented benefits. I digress, and without making this short inquiry into an even longer dissertation, here is the question. This is a little personal and possibly a tad gross for some, but I was wondering what the effects of one meal a day are on bowel movements. Has it ever been studied? Should one expect changes due to the way the body is now utilizing food and fat stores? Without further TMI, I will leave it at that. Any info would be great. Thanks for what y'all are doing and the effort and depth of information you put into it is appreciated. All right, so what do you say, Melanie? So is it weird that I'm really excited about this question? <laughs> uh, no. Not at all. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so for me personally, and I talk about this a lot on my blog, so this isn't something that I keep secret, but um, I did have a – I got diagnosed after food poisoning about two years ago or so with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which – really kind of threw a wrench in my bowel habits, as it were. Um, And that's the reason I sort of became, not obsessed, but very interested in how food and eating patterns and lifestyle affects digestion and 
of course, bowel movements and all the things. And I know I'm not alone because I blog about it and I get so many um, comments and people like just engage with people about it. So I know you guys are all out there. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so I did get a little bit excited about this question. So basically, um, your bowel movements are influenced by a couple of things. They, yes, they are influenced um, by when you eat, which will be the inter- intermittent fasting. They're also influenced by what you eat. The main thing they're influenced by is your personal gut microbiome. Studies have found that the composition of like of your microbiome, so what type of bacteria you have, um, is strongly correlated to whether you have loose stools or if you feel more constipated, um, which is actually, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's the Bristol chart, which you can actually, <laughs> which I know well, but um, it... I've seen it. Yeah, I know what I know you're talking well. about. <laughs> uh, so that actually like ranks stools from, I think it's one to seven. I have to check that. Um, but the, uh, the lower is... More, more constipated and the higher is more loose and runny stools. Okay. So I don't want to get mm-hmm. so crazy and detailed, but anyways, bacteria. So those are the key for your bowel movements. And that is highly influenced by diet and lifestyle. Just so much. So antibiotic use, inflammation, and then what you're eating, all of this really, really affects your gut bacteria, which is going to affect your movements as it were. And so when it comes to intermittent fasting, that as well is going to affect your bacteria, which is going to affect your stools. <laughs> a few things to point, just to talk about in general as far as that goes. Um, if you do struggle with IBS or SIBO, which is the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, it's quite possible you actually have an overgrowth of bad bacteria or just a dysbiosis of sorts. And intermittent fasting is actually wonderful for that because it allows your your intestines, particularly your small intestine, um, time to clear out. And so that can help prevent buildup of uh, pathogenic species. And so they've actually found, interestingly enough, there was a recent study on fasting and bacterial composition, and it found that doing fasting actually ultimately resulted in more diversity in bacteria because basically what the fasting did was it... um, helps get rid of the pathogenic species that are taking over and then that promotes a better diversity of good bacteria so fasting actually can support a healthy gut microbiome even though you may think oh i'm not feeding my gut microbiome how like they're not being fed is that a problem probably not (laughs) also when you're in the fasted state that actually stimulates something called your migrating motor complex and so that is the movement of your small intestine specifically um, so just to quick tangent, most people probably know this, but you have your small intestine and you have your large intestine, which is your colon. Those are two different things. I mean, they're all connected, but um, they're two different things. The small intestine is where you mostly absorb your nutrients and your food. And then the colon is where most of the bacteria reside. And that's where your stools are actually formed. So what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So the migrating motor complex. Um, so that's what keeps things moving in your small intestine and keeps things clear there and can help prevent a, a buildup of bacteria, which could create problems with movement, as it were. And fasting is uh, great for stimulating that. So yeah, so that's like a lot of stuff. Um, but my personal opinion is that intermittent fasting 
is great for supporting healthy gut microbiome, which in turn is going to support healthy movement. Uh, but of course, when you just start intermittent fasting, you are changing when you're eating and when the food is coming in. So obviously that is going to affect um, when you're having <laughs> movements, which one last thought, they're actually your gut movements are on circadian rhythms as well. They're, it's not just kind of like um, casual, as it were. The cells in your intestines um, actually get their own rhythms, which can regulate when you have bowel movements and such. So that'll also be affected by fasting. So yeah, I could literally talk about this for a long time, but um, I'll, I'll let Jen take over. <laughs> this was a great question, and we get a lot of questions about this in the um, the Facebook support groups because people have a couple of different um, bowel responses that are common to fasting. One of them I did not experience. And sometimes when people first begin an intermittent fasting regimen, they they find as soon as they open their window, like at the beginning, this is not something that continues like forever, but at, when they're first adjusting, they'll have like sudden urgency to go to the bathroom, like, and every, it'll just like flow right out of them. So this is, this is part of the, the adjustment period. Um, frequent after you eat for the you know your first meal of the day, you're just like right there in the bathroom. So don't be alarmed if that happens. That's certainly not something that happens to me when you know when I open my window every day. So the opposite side is this that that Nathan is mentioning, and that is constipation. And so a lot of people do struggle with that when they're starting the intermittent fasting lifestyle. Um, we recommend magnesium for this at bedtime. That that tends to help with that. Um, I take magnesium glycinate. As I said before in another podcast, I take that at bedtime. It helps you to relax. It re relaxes your whole digestive system. So <laughs> not while you're sleeping, but you wake up in the morning. And, um, you, you know, for me, I'm in that morning pattern. I get up. I drink my first cup of coffee. I go to the bathroom. And I think it's the, um, the magnesium at bedtime that helps with that. So I'm very, very regular with that. I'm sure that's more than most of you wanted to know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jen's bathroom <laughs> habits. Right, quick question for you. I guess we don't really know if it's constipation that uh, Nathan is specifically struggling with. So it could be, could be anything. Could be constipation. Could be loose stools. Could be IBS. You know, you're right. He does. Yeah, he doesn't actually say, does he? He doesn't say that it's constipation. So really, I guess either either extreme could be. But that's a good that's a good point though to talk about because I do agree with you for the constipation. The magnesium yeah. is great for that. Also, vitamin C is really good for constipation. And this is also, if we're just gonna, since we're talking about this, um, some people think for constipation that running to fiber is the answer. And for a lot of people, that does work for some people, but for a lot of people, that actually does make it worse. So I, if you are struggling with constipation, I would recommend trying the magnesium or the vitamin C route before going to the fiber. Like I said, I know, I know a lot about this topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say that, that those were the two most common things, the either the, the overly runny stool at the beginning right after you eat or the constipation. That's what people report. Um, as far as the fiber goes, I know that you know, when we're wanting to feed our gut, one, one great thing to keep in mind is we want to feed our gut microbiome well, and that would include prebiotic foods. And these are just foods that um, – they are types of fiber. We've got the soluble and the insoluble fiber. And I've heard it referred to as the microbiota accessible carbohydrates. So these are ones that are going to go through us. We're not going to digest them, but they get to our colon, our large intestine, and the um, 
the gut bacteria that live there can can access them and and that's just something to keep in mind for your gut health so yeah they've actually some people even um like nutritionists and people in this whole sphere uh advocate emphasizing prebiotics even more than probiotics because the prebiotics can create a natural biodiversity although i will throw out there if you do struggle with SIBO or ibs prebiotics might actually make things worse that's true um, in the short run. So you really just have to, it's very individual. We we know that the bacteria is key. We know that what you're eating is key. It's just, but it's very individual for each person. And if you're, if you're coming from a, um, if you're coming from a place where your gut is not in good shape, then like Melanie said, throwing in a bunch of fiber isn't going to necessarily be the right approach. You've got to heal that gut before you start putting stuff down there. So that that's when, you know, I would eat, you know, the the probiotic foods, you know, things that are fermented, things like that. That's that's healthy for rebuilding your gut as well. Yeah. In any case, I think intermittent fasting is great for gut health. Yes. Um, and ultimately should support nice movements, <laughs> whatever they may be. <laughs> there you go. Eventually, that's the goal. Yes. <laughs> also, I will just throw this out there. If you do struggle with IBS or anything of the sort, um, definitely go to my website, MelanieAvalon.com. I have um, some free guides there where I like I have an IBS guide and I have a food sensitivity guide, and those are really helpful for breaking down the, the fermentation potential of over 300 foods so you can see what foods may or may not be causing problems for you. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Great tip. So, yep. Shall we go to the next question? Yes. So this question comes from Katie, and the subject is fasting and weight gain. And Katie says, Hi, Jen and Melanie. You guys are my new favorite podcast. I'm hoping you might be able to help me. I am really struggling to lose weight and have been since January. Prior to this, I lost about 30 pounds over the space of a year with a low-carb diet. I didn't track carbs, but I avoided bread, pasta, grains. When my weight stalled at 155 pounds, I'm 5'3 and 31 years old, I read the obesity code and added intermittent fasting in February. 16-8 to begin with and slowly graduated to one meal a day for the past few weeks with a window of about two hours. Initially, I was fasting with cream in my coffee and Diet Coke, but I'm now fasting clean. Yay for you, that's me talking. (laughs) Um, She says, I have since gained about five pounds and an inch on my waist, and my weight graph continues to show a trend upwards. My problem is that when I open my window, I eat way too much. I counted the calories, and I ate about 3,000 calories in one sitting. Should I go back to a longer window to to try to avoid these binges, or will appetite correction eventually kick in? I'm desperate not to put the weight back on, and I'm worried because the trend is upwards. Am I someone who needs to track calories within my one meal a day, as it seems I can't be trusted to eat what I want? I wouldn't mind if I was losing slowly, but I seem to have gotten it all wrong. I am so disheartened because everyone else seems to find fasting to be the magic ingredient for weight loss, and I so hoped it would work for me. Your advice would be very much appreciated. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on in this question. A lot, there's a lot here. So, you know, now a lot of things that this come stick out to me. Like, first of all, she's been low carb for about a year, um, and then she's introduced intermittent fasting. And I wonder if she reintroduced carbs at the same time that she started intermittent fasting. That's what I'm not sure about because I will say that frequently when someone switches from low carb 
to intermittent fasting, they may see a weight gain at first because carbs come along with, with water retention. So I don't know if that could be part of it. I'm just throwing that out there because I'm not sure what she's done as far as, as her carb intake. Yeah, that was actually my very first thought. I was actually, I want to ask, <laughs> I want to ask you, Katie, I was assuming um, that maybe she hadn't brought back carbs in. So I was going to actually suggest that maybe adding in carbs would help. Yeah, but I just can't tell. I can't tell. I guess we can address both aspects right. of that. As far as, I, th- I think the problem right now, she's she just has started the one meal a day in the past few weeks. And so with the window of two hours. And I think actually she, her hunch is on the right track. She's um, She's gone to this two-hour window and now she's feeling like she needs to eat just all the food all at once. So she's just eating and eating and eating. And I think that um, there are a couple of suggestions I would make. First of all, have a plan when you're starting. Um, I have found that over time, when I first would start and I would just kind of like wander around without a plan, I would just eat things all around the kitchen and I would I would end up overeating because I never really felt like I had eaten like a meal or had eaten something substantial. I was just like, I ate this, then I ate that, then I ate the other thing. And it I'm sure added up to be a lot of things. So maybe have a plan. Think about how you're going to break your fast. Prepare it. Put it on a plate. Sit down with that. And then don't eat again for a little while. Give yourself, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and see how you feel. And if you're still hungry, eat some more then. But instead of just, like, feeling like you need to cram it all in there in a short window, that actually can um, is, is something that some people do face when they try to have a window that's too short. They, they feel like, um, I've just got to eat it all, and I've got to eat it all right now. So give yourself maybe a little more time. Come in with a plan. Slow it down. And I would start with, you know, eating whole foods, real foods, high-quality foods. You know, of course, I know you don't want to – it sounds like like you don't want to be a calorie counter. And, I, of course, Melanie and I don't recommend that as an approach. But you're right that you probably don't want to have such a large amount of volume, you know, day after day, especially since you don't feel like you're having success right now. And I know it probably doesn't feel good to eat that much all at one time either. So – you know, maybe relax that that mentality of got to be done in two hours. You know, I don't have a two-hour window most days. Um, I might some days, but I let it happen naturally. And so don't feel like you have to do it too fast and, and fit it all in there. And like I said, have a plan when you're starting out. What do you think about that, Melanie? Yeah, I agree. Like structurally, if you're doing one meal a day, I wouldn't even put an hour limit on it. I would just do the one meal a day. Um but so what I'm really seeing here, Katie, is I really think this is mostly a mindset thing because just some of the way the way that you're um, talking to us in the email, you you feel like you can't be trusted, you can't trust yourself, and you feel disheartened. And I'm just sensing a lot of fear there, and I really feel for you. And I I think that that is such an obstacle that so many of us struggle with, and so many of us face um, because. We just, when there's not a trust there for what we're eating, it just makes everything so much harder. And then I, like with the whole, the binging thing, it's like when you fall into that, um, you don't trust yourself and then you want to keep eating and then you feel bad because you're eating so much. And then, so the only way you can feel better though in the moment is to keep eating, even though it's not making you feel good. So I, I would really just encourage you, um, rather than try to fix the problem by counting calories or, uh, adjusting your window to just really evaluate, um, why you're feeling what you're feeling. 
and I talked about this on another podcast, but there's an excellent book called The Yoga of Eating, which I really recommend. And it's great just for working on mindsets um, in regards to that. Two other things I will say. So you're talking about, will appetite correction kick in? So you clearly are, you have an appetite and you have cravings um, when you're eating. So there's a reason for that. I mean, you're not just like needlessly craving things or wanting to eat, you know, 3000 calories. So I would really encourage you, it could be a nutritional thing. I would encourage you to embrace whole foods. And I would encourage you to just think about what does your body really want in that moment food wise. And maybe if you can find out what that is and just take a more um, mindful approach and try to eat the foods which nourish you, then maybe you can help break those tendencies to just eat a ton. And then going back to the carbs thing, so we don't know if you've brought back carbs or if you haven't. Um, If you have not brought back carbs and you're doing low carb and intermittent fasting, um, I would actually super encourage you to try to bring back in carbs. That actually might slay your appetite because it could be that you, your body does need more carbs and that would actually instigate insulin, which is a good thing um, when we're actually eating, um, and make you feel full. We have different hormones which regulate appetite. So um, like leptin, for example, is uh, a main driver of feeling full. And so insulin is going to encourage that as well. Or you could do, like she said, you could try doing a longer window. And I like what Jen said about planning it out a little bit more and just going slower Um, rather than feeling like you have to just cram all the stuff in in this short window. But I have complete faith in you. Uh, You've you've got this. I would encourage you to just keep on keeping on, and I think you'll find what works for you. Yep, I think so too. All right, are we ready for the next question? Sure. And best of luck to you, Katie. I hope you get it figured out because it's just a matter of finding your sweet spot. And, you know, we – we tend to, you know, we find someone who's successful. We want to do like exactly what they're doing, but really your sweet spot might be something a little bit different. So, all right. Our next question is from Pat and the subject is taking multivitamins. And Pat says, hello, Jen and Melanie. I have been living the one meal a day lifestyle with clean fasting for two months. I love this way of eating. I have been doing 21-4, which means a fasting time of 21 hours and a four-hour eating window. I do still weigh and have lost five and a half pounds with 15 to go. Congratulations, Pat, by the way. The best part is I track my measurements and I have lost a total of nine and a half inches. I can feel that difference. My question is, does it break my fast to take my four organic multivitamin pills? Thank you both for your books, your podcasts, and all of the information you put out here to help us with this incredible journey. All right, so what do you say to the multivitamins, Melanie? Well, first of all, hi, Pat. Thank you so much for your question. So multivitamins. Um, hard to tell because I don't know what multivitamins you're taking, but you do say pills. So honestly, two things. It completely just depends what's in the multivitamins. So if it is like a pill form that's a lot of those pills, they actually have like sugar in them and starches and they just have lots of stuff, like fillers. Um, they might be hard to digest. So in the very short term, they might start a little bit of digestion. They might uh, might mess with your, your hunger, your insulin response. In any case, it's probably, it's, I don't think it's a huge deal because it's going to be pretty short-lived, should be at least. 
so like for me personally, I actually, I don't want to turn this into the don't take vitamin podcast. Um, but I personally try to, um, get the majority of my vitamins from whole foods, especially like multivitamins, because those are just kind of like expansive and it's kind of like throwing everything at the kitchen sink type thing. So I personally just supplement with a few specific things that I know that I need. Um, but in general, if you go like with the sublingual route for the vitamins that you can, so those that you take under your tongue, those might help sustain the fasted state, um, as well as like the vitamins that have less fillers or are liquid gels based rather than the pills. The pills is the one thing that's throwing me off. In any case, I don't think it's a big deal. I wouldn't stress about it, but I would just... This is just my inner paleo craziness coming out. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I'm going to let Jen take over. Well, I think that, that everyone would agree that the the vitamins you get from real food are better. I mean, I think I think everyone would agree with that. Um, I've actually heard vitamins referred to as expensive pee. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Actually, I just read a study the other day, and it said a ton of the vitamins now, basically the vitamin component is inactivated by the fillers that the vitamin contains so, so interesting it kind of just like goes right through you yeah yeah i don't i don't know that this is i guess not like you said not a big debate about the vitamins i don't take any multivitamins either i take the the magnesium at bedtime and an enzyme in the morning but um not a digestive enzyme by the way it's for something else but as far as the the multivitamins i remember when i did take multivitamins in the past like they would make me feel sick on an empty stomach uh, Wait, do you and, take the protolytic enzymes? Is that what you were talking about? I take something called serapeptase. Oh, yes. Which is, I, yeah. I swear by that. If you're going to take one thing, serapeptase. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> my life. I love serapeptase. And, but you can't take it with food. Right. Or you don't take your, you have to take it out. You know, that's why I take that in the morning. You take that in the fasted state because it's actually working on clearing up other things in your body. Yeah, like, listeners, I am so passionate about serapeptase. <laughs> Well, that's so funny that you take it. No, I heard you say that. I was like, I know what she's talking about. I don't know anybody <laughs> else who takes it. But. No, it's amazing. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to tell the listeners so they don't think we're crazy. We might be, but <laughs> we are. <laughs> so it's a proteolytic enzyme from the – it's made by the digestive tract of the silkworms. Silkworms, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically you take it on a – you take it all fasted specifically – it enters your bloodstream and it just travels throughout your body and breaks down protein. biofilm. Yeah, breaks yeah. down everything, like the proteins yeah. that ac- accumulate in your body. Um, it's really like a long term thing, and yeah, the longer you do it, the better it is. But there, there are things because I've been on it for about probably a year now. There are things I don't know if it's from that, but I like kind of think it's from that. Yeah, yeah. Joint pain has like completely gone away. It could be other things, but I don't know. I even had like a little, um, this is probably TMI, but like a little, um, it's not a, I had like a skin tag, like it on my nose, like I had a bump and I actually got it removed, but it came back because they said that it would always come back because it's like, um, I don't know. Was it a a skin tag? Maybe. No. Okay. In any case, it's gone now. And I'm wondering if it's the serapeptase. I could talk about serapeptase forever. Well, I started taking it. I have, um. I had surgery back in, I guess, 2013. This is also going to be TMI, uterine fibroids. Um, 
I was having difficulty with that. So I had surgery for that. But then I could tell it was they were coming back because um, they often do. So um, the serapeptase was recommended for that. And I have really noticed a big difference. I've been taking it probably for just over a year myself. And I've noticed a huge difference in, in that department, the, the female issue. But what's interesting is when I started taking it, like I noticed in my sinuses, like I wasn't expecting... Oh, but it's it like amazing cleared up. Yeah, it's yeah, because like, it's that that whole biofilm. Yeah. Is what, so yeah, it's supposed to be great. So yeah, I take that. <laughs> I'm, I'm so passionate. <laughs> yeah, it's that funny, but yeah, we that's will, we'll put a link in the show notes to Serapeptase. Which brand do you take? Doctor's Best. Yes. Is that the same one? That's the best. Yes, it's so great. That's so funny. It's that's, so great. I love that. <laughs> See, we got the same the same thing going on here. But yes, I take the serapeptase in the morning, and then at night I take the magnesium, and I don't take any multivitamins. I really try to get what I need from eating a wide variety of foods. And so I, I try to just not eat the same exact things day to day. I, it's hard sometimes. You know, I get in the rut with my avocado, my guacamole, but, you know, I'm trying to venture out. <laughs> A wide variety of fruits and vegetables, I think. You're going you're gonna to get what you need that way. Um, but if you are taking a multivitamin, um, I, I would take it with food just because they made me queasy on an empty stomach. And then you don't have to worry if it's breaking the fast because it's with your food. Yeah, I guess the only things that you specifically really want to take fasted is actually things like like the, um, the proteolytic enzymes. Um, yeah. As well as like you could take the like I said the sublingual B vitamins and such right. like that. So yeah, oh, I could talk about all this forever. So I don't think we have time. Yeah, probably not. No, we we've we've gone gone over today, but we'll we'll get to the rest of the questions in coming weeks because they keep coming in and they're good ones. They're great. So keep them coming. So speaking of, if you'd like to submit your own questions. Uh, two ways you can do that. You can email questions at ifpodcast.com. You can also go to ifpodcast.com. That's our website. And you can submit questions there. If you'd like show notes for today's episode, that's where we're going to li- list any of the studies we talked about. We'll also put links to the products we use, like this Peptase, if you want to get some, which I highly, <laughs> highly recommend. Um, you can actually go to our website as well. So just go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 16, and the show notes will be listed there. And then lastly, if you have a moment, a brief moment to write a review of the podcast on iTunes, that would be just incredibly appreciated. It helps just so much for building credibility and um, just spreading the word about intermittent fasting so we can help others. So, yep. Anything else from you, Jen? No, I think that's it. We've had a a great episode and I enjoyed it. And I love that you also take serapeptase. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. All roads lead to intermittent fasting and serapeptase. (laughs) And serapeptase. We're going to have to change the intermittent fasting and serapeptase podcast. (laughs) Oh, this has been great. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody enjoy your week and we'll see you next Monday. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.